don't want to set the world on fire. Host Ray. Hello. We're kicking it old school this week. Uh, Robert is on his way back from the Rocky Mountain event in from Frontline over the weekend. Uh, he had a, a adventurous weekend. One, one and two on day one. And I'm just trying to see how did he do on day two? Looks like uh, I think two and one. No, he went one and two again on day one two. two. All right. So um, the good news was is that the models did arrive in one piece. He spent a lot of time on that with the display. And um, he'll be given a full report when he's back. But uh, right now, safe travels, and we hope he returns safely. In the meantime, it's uh, like the old days. It's just you and me, right? <laughs> and it is. So it is. But uh, just like the old days, we're talking perhaps, you know, trying so hard to not jump on the 10th edition hype, you know, just trying to enjoy the time we have. And, uh, gee, uh, what did you send me today? <laughs> uh, it's a little teaser. Well, it's a teaser for something because all we see is Warhammer to zoom in on what is obviously a term. And in the reflection, you see a term. Yeah, an Imperial Terminator, just in case you're double checking there. So, very, very interesting. Um, we've heard consistent rumors that the starter pack for the 10th edition would be Tyranids versus Space Marines, so this seems to be in line with that. They've also specifically said it would be, I'm pretty sure it was, I can't get my names right, the purple and white Tyranids, that's Leviathan, correct? Yes. Yeah, so they said they said it would be Leviathan versus Blood Angels. I have to admit the Terminator's reflection, it's a white helmet, so... I'm not sure if that is just a sergeant or I, I, don't, I don't know, but it's definitely not dark angels. That's for sure. So, and uh, so we'll see what, uh, what this will bring, but um, double check my calendar. Adepticon's not until the end of the month. It seems still a little too early to be talking about new edition when, you know, the expected launch date was not until end of June. One, granted, uh, it's been years, and I, I want to say actually announced ninth edition with an actual trade was the, of the same. Okay, I couldn't remember either. I want to say, but I, I could have swore it was only four weeks, but then I'm like, no, no, I think it was more than four weeks of hype, but not a hundred percent sure anymore. But oh well. Um, I'm excited. I'm, you know, scared at the same time. Uh, we've seen some leaks that look very promising. We've seen some leaks that look highly questionable. <laughs> um, so I'm really curious to see what the game brings. Uh, I was listening to another podcast, and I do that frequently, and I recommend you guys do too. We we all have different things to say. But specifically, I was listening to uh, Stat Check. And as well as preferred enemies, and why I bring those up by name and not just a name drop. Two very different podcasts. Stat Check is very much, uh, you've got two Art of War members as well as people that are just all about getting in. If you're not in the top 25 of the ITC, you're just not trying. And then on the other hand, you've got preferred enemies. They're like, um, you know what? We enjoy the game, but I'll go to the LVO friendly and get a good game in rather than beat my head against the rock to try and stay ahead of the meta. All of them agree on one key thing they want for 10th edition, that is faster games. For very different reasons, but the idea is that if you can get the game down to two hours, it'll be a better experience. So 
Ray, and what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I actually had some game to be done, so it's how they do it that I run stuff. I've heard some are you just play smaller game sizes. Yeah, this certainly one answer. There are some armies though designed to be played at higher points. Like knights is a great example. So if you start looking at smaller armies, smaller game sizes, those factions are gonna feel kind of um. So it's not just gonna just you know drop it down to 1600 points or 1750 or eight easiest way to make it go faster is to streamline things so hopefully that's what they're hopefully if that's what they do they do it right because sometimes when you try to streamline something you can make things too complicated or make it a little too vanilla that's what i'm a little worried about i mean the fifth edition code chaos codex was like terrible you know it was one thing it was very streamlined very simple to play but Compared to the 3.5 codex, it was like there was it was a bland vanilla compared to all the flavor of getting all the legions and or at least at least the chaos marks in place. And um, on the other hand, I agree with you. Yeah, streamlining would be a lot more fun. I would love to be able from a how do I say this? All right, from a player standpoint, more games is better. And it was interesting. For example, the the more competitive guys were saying when the idea that tournament size should not dictate how many rounds and the idea that you have to play six to nine games in a weekend ideally taking an additional day off because of travel to determine a winner and you're still under the pressure of a single loss means you're out of it if you could trim it down to two hour games you could get six to eight games in two days and you run the risk of you run not the risk is the right word i'm saying but um you have the benefit of, I could take a loss and still win the tournament. And I thought that was really surprising coming from top-level players, that that there's that sense of pressure that, well, if I lose in round three, I might as well just go home. I was like, wow, okay. Um, for me as a player, I would say, yeah, I would love to get two, three games in on a Friday night. You and I both know one of the hardest things about getting games in on Friday night is a, <laughs> showing up after work and then number two you get there and you're like you're waiting for a table to open up it's it's sometimes that can be an hour an hour and a half and now you're like okay am i actually going to get the game in before the store closes uh maybe maybe not but three rounds is better than no rounds we'll just make it happen and of course from a to standpoint i'm going yeah if i could get more games in in a shorter amount of time and you know, that way, end the tournament, maybe a little sooner, pay a little less money for the hall, that sort of thing, or any table rentals. That'd be pretty cool, too. So, yeah. And as, you know, you look at, you know, just look at how many rounds you're playing, but the total play, in a lot of cases, close to three, especially at the very big events. That's nine hours of standing one day, either six or nine the second day. I mean, it's kind of no wonder sometimes in that, you know, that last round, you're feeling just drained. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just as a TO, I think I was walking 80% of the time, so I could feel that. Um, the time thing, I'm still stuck on it. I agree with you. The game has to be evolved to that you could easily just say we're doing two hour rounds and because that's what war machine used to do i forgot they had a, a, a label for it where it was like we're playing the number of points but would normally be a three hour game we're going to do it in a two hour game set your clocks accordingly and just go nuts and that did not look like fun i'm sorry it just, just wasn't i couldn't see that being enjoyable that said 
chess clocks, round timers, reminders, me coming around with a cattle prod, poking people. Um, it seems like at every tournament, it's the same four people who just cannot get their games done on time. <laughs> and it, it's, it's a, I don't know what it is. It's, is it, is it the army? Is it the, the rules complexity? I don't know, but it's at this point, it's always the same people. It really does feel that way. Yeah. And in some cases, I think it could be multiple issues. You know, if you've got someone who's playing Tyranids are they don't do something like have multiple models in their unit at the same time at a time with like a tray. And they're going to take, you've got the guy who's, it's his first tournament. Maybe he's only got two, three weeks. For him, it's not that. It's, you know, trying to rules this and that. And the time just adds up. Yeah, it's interesting. Those are all viable. But it was interesting. That's not what I saw at Scorched Earth when we were doing, when I was doing the most recent uh, event for us. What I saw was, I don't even want to call them tryhards because they're higher level than that. So the, the three things I saw a lot of was there's an art and they're trying to be very precise, but they're just not keeping track of time. And yes, it was some of them were using high model count armies. Some of them weren't. Uh, it just, but it didn't seem to matter who their opponent was. It just seemed to drag down. I was like, what is going on? Um, and the other one I saw too was the, the players that just bombarded their opponents with questions. What does your army do again? Does it do that every turn? Does it, is that on a four or a five up? You know, it's just like, and I, I think one of the things that probably has changed and took me a little bit as a Gragnar to kind of remember this before um, the current, you know, building apps that we had, Army Builder used to have the full stat lines in there and we used to, you know, exchange paper copies of our army. And I remember being able to look at that, I'm like, oh, okay, they're toughness four, and I can look over, okay, what do I need to kill, and that sort of thing. And there'll only be a few combos that you should be aware of that may not be evident when you first read the list. Now everything's kind of electronic. You have to kind of, maybe you can pull up the other guy's uh, list, but sometimes their lists are, as are loaded to BCP, they just have unit names. They don't have any in the stat lines. So there is sort of that more of that conversation so you don't get uh, gotcha hammered but the other part of me is like, if your goal is to be X and two, X and one, you should know better. Uh, maybe I'm just being an old fart about that. But part of me is like, it's not my job to teach you my army. And there were several times during some RTTs where I'm like, Codex is there, help yourself. <laughs> I'm going to finish my yeah. movement phase. <laughs> yeah, well, I, there's, a, there's a couple to say all that. There's always people who try to weaponize. Um, another thing is. You know, if you if you use it from comparing it to sixth edition, which is when I started using a fifth edition codex for North, um, if you look at that codex that that existed for you in sixth edition, look at the one that exists for you in ninth. That ninth edition codex is actually much more comp. Like you you've been playing Drakari for a few quite a few editions. True. Um, can you really say that your army's was when you first started it? I can't say that, and I think uh, to your point. Uh, I remember the big deal, I want to say it was from 4th to 5th edition, or maybe it was from 5th to 6th, the run action. That was a big deal, that you could forego your shooting action for an extra movement. Now we're talking about, hmm, do I move and shoot? Do I move and do an action? Do I move over here and do this action in my psychic phase? Um, when does that action complete? All, there is so much more going on in a round Regardless of what yeah, army you play, it's yeah, yeah. 
some of these armies, yeah, some of these armies have their army has different buffs depending on what round it is. You can you can pick, you know, you have like a pool where you have to sort them out. Necrons is a great example. Um, theirs is actually way too complicated. You have six to choose from. Each one has two options. The best thing that they did was say this act of pick, but you still do the picking. And it's like, I bet that is good at keeping track of all that stuff. They actually make sure that they remember is the whole game. Yeah. I I can say when they get on tilt, if when I play Necrons or any any kind of frustration, any of that, I completely forget about all that, except for the one that I would always pick, which of course is the one that has to do with the obsec. Right. You brought up a key point there, and that's something where we usually save this supposed to get later in the closer to the new edition is you know things we loved about the last edition and uh, key points they think they dropped the ball on. One of the biggest things I think they missed on and um, something where GDW I hope addresses in the new edition is user interface and simple things like all right like uh, whatever it is this week rod rad um, you know retrieves whatever current edition data keeping track of that you know okay I have these little dice. It's not to, half of it is, you know, I guess, to avoid arguments, but also just for me to keep track. Did I, did I do it in this quarter? Did I do it in that quarter? Uh, all this, you know, bookkeeping that you need to do, and there's so little tools for it. I, I could have swore there would have been a huge uh, hobby opportunity if every army made their own banners. And you just buy like an upgrade sprue type thing. Here's the chaos banners. Here's the imperial banners for doing that mission. Have you met anyone that actually has banners for when they put to put on their markers and stuff like that? I think I've met one or two. It's something I've considered myself. I made an attempt with my 3D printer. But I thought at first was a success. And <laughs> um, a fun fact: if you use a resin, curate resin on the inside finds its way out. Oh, oh no! <laughs> yes. Oh. But yeah, so I mean, but we're also talking about a company took them two editions before they started realizing that selling the cards would not happen. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember trying to get to the store East day, trying to get those cards because they only made so get it. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Try eBay. <laughs> That's a good point. But just when I looked at, you know, I took another glance at a Sigma article that popped up and I was like, you know, when the, even when they lay out the weapons, you know, it's attacks is the first number to hit is the second number. Uh, whatever the wound is, third number, AP or whatever they call it, rend, is the fourth number. And you look at 40k, trying to explain it to a new player. Okay, you're going to use weapon skill, which is the third number from the left. Okay, but you need to roll how many attacks? Where's my attacks? Well, that's the second to last from left to right number. And then it's user strength. Where's user strength? I mean, it's, you know, it's like maybe it's time to retire that stat line <laughs> and just. It's possible. Um, one of the things about I, I I really love how simplistic AOS is, and I think anybody who's just getting into a miniature game is a good start. That being said, there's there's a point where I don't think it works as well. So like in AOS, a lot of these models are fairly equal in toughness, the exception of monsters, and they make up for that in just how many wounds they have. Kind of see, seen that with you know how many wounds like bloodthirsters get, the silent primarchs. But there's still that kind of difference where you've got like imperial soul, and then you have grotesque like, toughness six or seven. Uh they're well, they're five, and then if they're within six inches of a homunculus, uh, they go up to six. So there's all this variation models, different factions when it comes to their toughness. So at that point, then you have to start considering also, are we going to look 
rip us. So off the answer ends up a slightly better save, often just more wounds. So, I mean, if we play this game in kind of a similar AOS regard, we might start seeing game Space Marines have six wounds. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I, I think the I can already hear one of our lovely uh, team members already saying, well, what's the point when everything goes up to damage four? So <laughs> they're back. To, you know, it takes two, two wounds to kill it. And I'm like, okay, I get that. Um, that's one of the reasons I didn't like the earlier versions of the Star Wars tabletop games. Stormtroopers had uh, 30 wounds, but the average gun did like 20, 10 to 20 damage. So it's just like, why are we doing this? <laughs> why are we just doing ones and twos? It makes it a lot easier. But um, yeah, it's the, I think we had this discussion a few episodes ago. What's tougher, a T5 unit with a three up save or a T, you know, or, or the vice versa, a T3 unit with, uh, you know, a two up save and a five up feel no pain. You, you do all the math, but it, you know, there's different permutations to get around that, and um, certain weapons are more effective than others. One thing, I, before we go down the whole rabbit hole, everybody's like, oh my god, they're getting rid of the toughness stat. I don't think they have a toughness stat in Kill Team, so I have to relook at their combat system and how they're doing it. But to your point, in, even in, in Kill Team, they only have guard, you know, the smaller units. You don't have as many vehicles and monstrous creatures and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, even boarding actions. Is... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but anyway, so yeah, just some curious as some of this stuff comes out. Um, so yeah, so uh, the the first signs of glimmer of, towards the the end. We've also saw the release of uh, the the mystery, which was probably the worst kept secret in the world. What is the fourth book of uh, boarding actions? There, the uh, arcs of omen. It's surprise, surprise. It's a uh, far sight, but um, pretty cool looking model. I have to admit. Um, kind of re yeah, rekindling my thoughts of an all crisis suit army again. Now you just have to go buy the crisis suits. Yeah, I mean, I had the old ones. And that's what I miss. I bought Tau when they very first came out, and um, Jump Shoot Jump was awesome. And I just felt like as time progressed, they became less Jump Shoot Jump and more gun lines. So I sold them. And also, those old crisis suit models were just kind of wonky looking. <laughs> Uh, the newer ones look pretty pretty cool, and uh, especially the newer stealth suits. I had the old metal ones. Um, they're gone. So harm is, you know, I'm just looking at it like between that and a ghost keel. I don't know how competitive it is, but it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to play. But without jump shoot jump, I'm still kind of on the fence. But whatever. Well, I mean, I started with Necrons. I do not had, um, and their reanimation protocol has changed every edition yeah that's true drastically yeah so yeah we'll see what that brings as well i don't know it, it's there's lots of you know neat stuff coming down you know it the other thing too is a threat change drastically is uh terrain rules those have changed drastically from addition to addition so and the one thing if you notice go on that gw website there's a lot of uh, fundamental pieces of the game that you need um not available on their website so i'm like uh what's coming out so in some regard i'm kind of hoping that they're seeing their own terrain if because one focus more on models and let's face it in some instances there are models that really need to be updated and that's you know, my warriors <laughs> yeah um and they can ship with another company you know that company can make we might see something that we've never pretty much never seen which is actual Zeno, official Xenos terrain, even if it's just from a licensed company that's not GW. You know, it wouldn't even need to be a licensed company, but I see where you're going with that, because I've seen that 
model being successful, but you know, maybe it's time for Forge World. That's where they, they Forge World used to make gorgeous terrain, and some of it was Xenos. They had some awesome Tyranid uh, sport chimneys. I was like, whoa! I mean, if you could find them, grab them. You know, they've been out of print for decades. I mean, I still run ground piece, which I think was like two feet by two feet, but it was expensive. Yeah, yeah I forgot what that was called. That that was gorgeous, but yeah, it's it's huge. It's a display board, basically. And they also had some imperial buildings. I forgot how awesome they were. I found like an old catalog lying around my hobby area. And yeah, okay, you're working with resin, so you have to heat them up to get them to be straight again, but oh, they were gorgeous. And um, so yeah. Be, that'd be nice. There is a, sort of that panic. If you look at the current boarding action, you have to buy the terrain that they offer to, to run those games. Do we want 40k to be like that? I don't think that's a realistic expectation. And honestly, you can probably get enough facsimiles uh, of the right footprints and proportions to you know DIY, DIY it yourself. But oh, yeah. I do miss uh, Own Branham in White Dwarf saying, hey, this is how I built the following for the past photo shoot. I'm like, oh, those articles were great. So, but anyway, we will uh, look forward to the future, see what else uh, comes along. In the meantime, let's take a look at this past weekend. Uh, two, main, two events to talk about. Oh, I did forget something. Ah, I knew what it was. Um, <laughs> I was unfortunately not available in the United States yet. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But um, Games Workshop is now offering recycling your old sprues. Yeah, I saw that. I actually think that's a... I saw that, and the first thing that came to mind is, oh, it's a way for them to get plastic again, so they're using models. And then I actually read what it had to say, and I'm like, oh, I don't buy it. <laughs> I really just can't help but have this feeling that it's just a way plastic back so they can produce it. Yeah, I'd be more cynical. I have to just look at it as a tax write-off. But um, then they can see well, I mean, that's a given. We actually did it or not. <laughs> but um, I just think it's really cool because um, really what I use my old sprues for is I run them through a meat grinder, an old one, and it creates all these twisted bits. And then it's great for flocking terrain, like to make it look like rubble. And you mix it in with a little bit of sand and paint, and then just it's it's it looks awesome, but it's it's super cheap. But I, I have more than I could ever need. <laughs> um, I just have sprues upon sprues at this point. I'm just like, oh god, this is not going to happen. <laughs> I just want to get these out of my house. <laughs> well, not as many people spend as much time almost in Oculus. Yeah, like that's you. true. I love part. There, like I said, it was used to be a major part of the hobby. Now it's like a, a dying trade yeah absolutely so and that being said there are great some great materials out there and i've, I've, I've discovered some of them and so now i'm experimenting with them a bit more and one of them was actually um some to some great success i was really surprised i thought it was a complete failure and similar to your experience with the uh, 3d printer i was so mad and i literally just slammed it down on the the desktop uh, and i was like you know this, how does this screw up again and it literally popped loose and i went oh it did work Ooh. <laughs> so um it was pretty cool yeah so i'm going to do the more experimentation hopefully i have some something to show on our instagram page but uh, not yet well we'll get there soon i am a gamer that asks more gay plastic to get out and paint you can't pay us for plastic unless when you hold them if you want to get into group contact like Rusty does and get your models painted by a qualified and professional painter, you can go 
Spellspo at whitecrow.demand at gmail.com and join us for the Sea Project Models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So, they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many fun at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check, if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Madmen at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Enough of that. Let's get into the events of the past weekend. As I mentioned, two big events uh, over the weekend. One in Maryland, England, and the other one here closer to um, in the Rocky Mountain states, uh, not too far from us here in Arizona. Both of these are indeed qualifiers for the WCW, so uh, let's get into it. Let's start with the Southampton GT and uh, some, mil- some familiar faces uh, in the uh, top four because they did have a top cut. So our top five, uh, top four, starting uh, all these guys started at undefeated. Uh, but before we get into them, what's the the guys who weren't undefeated but didn't make the top cut? Uh, Nassim Fushan, uh, sorry about that, as well as Mark Vickery, uh, also went all went five and zero, oh, but just not amass enough battle points to uh, get into the top cut, which is the top four. Uh, other player of note, uh, Mini uh, Malik Rubio. Uh, coming in 11th place, he did end up losing an early round in the second round and did miss the top cut there. So, but your top four is uh, Rob LeBeau, followed by Ed Watts. Second place for the finals, it was Manny Chima versus David Gaylard. These guys get to know each other a lot at the top tables, and David Gaylard pulling it off with Astro Militarum. And um, so, first big win for Astro Militarum in a, uh, since their Codex release. Yeah. Now, I would love to tell you what's in the list, but uh, we can't because he didn't submit the list. At least it's not showing up here on. Um, <laughs> that yeah. says no list. Those of you warning, uh, Manny was playing Dark Angels. So, my guess is lots and lots of Deathwing Terminators. It could also have been a. Also, yeah, no also list. no list. Could also have been a Ravenwing. I heard that's uh, really popular as well. World Eaters with Ed Watts came in third and also no list submitted. And Rob was playing uh, Yamar Conglomerate, which uh, uh, Votan to the, 
those of you who are not in the know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Everything's saying yeah, in the list. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if they're hiding the list somehow. And I'm, That's probably exactly You know what, though? I'm looking at... Huh, this is weird. I just went over to our other event, and the lists are unsubmitted under the player profile, but if you go to pairings, the lists do show up there. So Maybe it's just a glitch with the West Coast pairings. Maybe. Uh, they just recently uh, updated everything, so... So let's switch on over to uh, Rocky Mountains. So this was an inaugural event, so I, I was mistaken earlier. It is not a qualifier event. I'd forgotten about that part. But it is part of the Frontline Gaming uh, network of tournaments. As I said, Rob will be uh, back next week to talk about his in-person experience. Uh, it's a quick shout-out uh, first to um, fellow teammate Ben Jurek coming in at 11th. Uh, he only dropped one game on the weekend, going up five and one. And uh, also a quick shout out um, has nothing really to do with gaming, but just made me think of it. Uh, uh, Zach, uh, one of our longtime uh, members of our team, one of my all-time nemesis. Every time we play each other, we find a way to knock each other out of contention. Uh, got married this weekend to uh, his lovely bride Trinity. So hey, congratulations, Zach. So our I already told nice. That, so. <laughs> Um, I'm a, I'm a little late to the party, but that's okay. I'm always <laughs> late to the party. I am the party, damn it. When I show up, that's when the party starts. Speaking of the party, let's talk about the top five. So, uh, sixth place, uh, Zach Kerstetter. You may remember him from, um, late run in the ITC season. Uh, Jamie Benton comes in fifth. Nicholas Wanker in fourth. Will Abelez with Tau coming in third. Scott Rumpel from Double Dutch Runners coming in second. Now, he was undefeated, but it was Michael Mann, who had more battle points, was able to take the top spot uh, from the Denver Mountain Trolls. So it's Michael's list, as we mentioned, cleverly hidden in the pairings. He is playing a goth pressure list, so lots of orcs, featuring a knob on Smash Squig, Boss Zagruk, who's getting a new model, Gazgul. Warboss on Warbike and a Weird Boy, followed by a 10-man unit of boys, three units of 10 Gretchen, a unit of Burner Boys, unit of Commandos, uh, one big, one small, uh, Squig Hog Boy unit, Storm Boy units in Galore. It's uh, three units of 10, two units of Warbikers, and a Battle Wagon with Ard Gaze, Death Rolla, and Fortress on Wheels. Nice to see Orcs back on top. So, I say that with tongue-in-cheek because I really hate playing orcs. I just do not do well against them. <laughs> I was asking about, hey, what do I need to do about this? I went through the game, explained and showed pictures, and just kind of went, you sure it's just not mental? I'm like, what? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, second place was Scott Rumpel. He was playing Space Wolf Successor Chapter. I didn't know that was such a thing. All right. Uh, he's got a captain on bike, two units of infiltrators, a, ju a judicar, um, Three large groups of wolf guard, all with lightning claws, and the leaders have uh, thunder hammers. Three units of five wolfen, a unit of cyro. Is that a single cyro wolf? That's wild. Okay, and then uh, two units of sky claws. Like how? I don't think I've seen a sky claw in forever. Chain sword and bolt pistols with uh, twin multi multi guns. And then the leader has a Kami Melter with a Thunder Hammer. This should, how the hell do you fly with a jetpack with a Thunder Hammer? That just doesn't... All right, never mind. Uh, two, three units of Long Fangs uh, going old school here. One unit, all missile launchers. One unit, all last cannon. Third unit, all grav cannon. And all the leaders have Cyclone Missile Launchers and Thunder Hammers as well. 
Gee, I guess the free uh, equipment upgrades isn't quite caught on with Space Marines. What do you think? <laughs> I should now think about it. With all those jetpacks, and now the Marines get sticky objectives, that's pretty disgusting. They can get around and just keep you know, holding down objectives. But that'll only last until Yeah, six. well, a couple months to deal with it. Yeah. Hopefully, at least. Took a quick look. We were just talking about Tau, so let's take a quick look at Will Abelez's Tau list. And um, so he starts off with uh, a it's like a Tau set uh, Arcs of Omen. Compulsory choice it would be Fast Attack in this one. Crude Hounds with a Crude Shaper. Commander in Cold Star Suit with an Ethereal and Long Strike. 10 man Breacher Team. 10 man Carnivore Team. 10 man Strike Team. Another 10 man Strike Team. So a Ghost Skill Battle Suit. There we go. Two Twin Fusion Blaster. Early warning override and a fusion collider. Uh, a minimal squad of three stealth suits with first cannon and fusion blaster. Another crude hound unit. Uh, unit of pathfinders. Looks like 10 man strong. Six with pulse rifles. Three with rail rifles. Oh, remember when those came out, the rail rifles? After the video game? It was like, oh my god. These things are so powerful. <laughs> Two units of piranhas. Uh, we'll need to see the forge world receipt on those, please. And um, a Riptide with two plasma rifles, ion accelerator, multi-tracker, target lock, and velocity tracker. A Sunshark bomber. Really? I don't think we'd ever see a flyer again in Arcs of Omen. Double fish and a tide wall gun ring. Wow. I think that's the one that has the emplaced um, heavy rail rifle, right? I think in the right one. Yeah. The gun rings won't the big cannon, right? I'm drawing a blank right now for some we will use the internet. <laughs> Gamesworkshop.com. Because <laughs> sure, I know there's the one, there's one that's just the moving wall, and then there's the one that's all the drones, and then there's another one, I think it's a tower with a gun. I'm trying to remember which one. That's another one you mentioned, no official Xenos terrain. You know how many like pictures they have of Tau of Cities? <laughs> That we never see available for purchase. There's there's so many different terrains that I've seen. It's just like, oh no, this is just this exists in one place and it will never be mass produced. Alright, the shield wall, drone port. Hey look, webway gets available. <laughs> Speaking of hard to find items. <laughs> well, whatever it is, it's sold out online. <laughs> it's not available. I'm pretty yeah, so oh well. So he's got a collector's item there, folks. <laughs> So there you go. Those are uh, some of your top players. Nicholas was playing. What was he playing? He was playing Chaos. You want to take a look at that one? I think I found it. Looking for the yep. title. Oh, demons. Okay. Yep. Demons, demons, demons. <laughs> Which uh, Nicholas Winkers. Okay. So I actually was able to catch some of him playing on the War Ooh. Games live stream. It was a very interesting list. He had a bunch of flamers and... It seems like they didn't do much of anything. So you think the nerf is working, huh? I don't think the nerf had anything to do with that fact. Outside of the fact that it made it where you could charge them without your units just, like, evaporate. So just to give it a kind of perspective, he's got a Bloodthirster, um, Argroth King of Blades, Devastating Blow, Great Axe of Corn, Indomitable Onslaught, and then made him a Warlord, uh, Fate Weaver, and then a Torment Bringer on Hellflare. I've never seen that in competitive play since... 6th edition um, oh my goodness it was slothful claws troops uh, 3 units excuse me 2 units of blood letters um, 10 strong 
demonic icon and instrument of chaos. Same thing with the uh, demonettes, two units of 10 with uh, icon and instrument. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the new demon codex, you can't, it's basically a 10 person unit, right? You can't buff them up to 20 and 30 anymore. I never got my hands on All right, I'll look that codex. up while we're talking. Uh, two units of fi uh, four flamer, five flamers with the pyrocaster. Uh, two units of five flesh hounds. Then an auxiliary um, super heavy detachment featuring two Wardog Executioners with Dialobus Heavy Stubbers. There are Conocast uh, Dread Blades with Worthy Offerings, which I'm sure that means something to Knights players. I just go, mm, it's a big thing I'm going to have a tough time killing. No, it's just two. It's basically the Helver and it's a double. Okay. What did you uh, say? Dialobus Heavy Stubbers. So interesting. Oh, this is not something special. It's a. It's basically heavy, stubborn for the most part. It's range 36, heavy 4, strength 5, AP 0, damage 1. And I was correct, so this might be a hint of future design choices. Um, yeah. Demons can only take, yeah, all their troop units are just flat. 10, 10 models per unit. You want more troops, you take more slots. Which is very similar to uh, Sigmar, correct? So, yeah, uh, yes, and with Age of Sigmar units, at least as of right now, units are, they're at their, at their size, whatever size they're listed as. And then there's a certain, I think it's two that you can force. So it's like, let's say, uh, blood letters. Unit size is 10. So every unit, every unit of those is going to be 10. You can force it. You can force it. Units of 10 all the way up until their max size. So if their max size is third, double up there. Put 10 there and 10 in some Got other it. unit. The idea of like a twelve person unit is impossible. So well you could do it but you pay for the twenty, right? No, you you okay. do ten. It's they don't even they don't allow for well, I guess it wouldn't consider it to be undersized, but you're you yeah, you're basically paying actually I don't remember all ten. I don't know if that's okay. entirely true anymore. It's been a while since I've played that. I've played AOS less often than I've played forty K, which is <laughs> saying something. Well, anyway, so there we go. That is your Rocky Mountain Open. So like I said, we'll wait to more commentary from Robert when he is back. So right now we go to our fan favorite segment, and it's back, and it's going to be back more often because uh, thankfully to the good folks at StatCheck, they have a great way of tracking this. So it only took me uh, 20 minutes a week to do this instead of two hours. So what uh, these, this great segment, for those of you who are new to the show, uh, as you know, about 60% of the players who go to a tournament will go either 3-2 and 2-3. Two and two and so what does the meta look like in the mid-tables? Well, let's take a look. Most prominent uh, armies that went 3-2 and two, uh, this week, starting at number one, any guesses, Ray? Close, actually. You're in the right. Uh, it was Imperial, but it was actually uh, your friends, the Custodes, uh, by far, made up almost 8% of the total meta of those going... Uh, three and two and two and three most prevalent. And then it was a very close tie between the next three between Astra Militarum. So uh, new book, old models leads to lots of people getting them back on the table. The aforementioned demons who we were just talking about, but this one surprised me, uh, a Suriani coming in in that same realm, all of them occupying. Um, uh, so of the 1500 games that were being tracked, uh, 97 of them were space elves. I was a bit surprised to see that. Yeah. That is kind of surprising. Uh, other things to keep in note. Uh, Chaos Knights were right next. Uh, they're sixth place. But this was very interesting anomaly here is that although they were highly prevalent in um, the mid-table range, they're almost non-existent. Like, for example, I think there were only three, three instances or three players 
who got more than three wins with Chaos Knights. So you do have to plan for them on the middle of tables, but if you can get to the top tables, you probably won't see them again. Yeah, it seems like some armies are just kind of yeah, like and that. you asked about Dark Angels. They were the exact opposite. They had as many appearances with four or more wins as they did in the mid-table. So Death Guard is... You're going to run into them in the mid-tables because everybody's trying to play them, but um, they're still going to be a scourge on the top tables. You need to have a plan to be able to kill Terminators. And I can assure you, my plan does not work because I reread the rules and I went, oh... Inner Circle does what now? Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MEQ, still prevalent as ever, makes up one-third of the meta at the mid-table level. So if you've got a way to get around T4, three-up armor save, you should be doing well in at least two out of three games. And uh, at least one out of three games, I should say. Probably two games over the weekend is what I was trying to say. But when you look at individual Space Marines, when they're all broken up into different chapters, uh, Iron Hands is still the uh, top choice among the Adeptus Astardes. Yeah. No surprise there. One thing that's surprising is you're going to hear a lot in other podcasts. They're talking about the, oh my god, Gene Steeler cult is majorly broken. Because they are definitely winning more events. They're, they're, you look at a stat called over-representation. So for example, I think they only make up 6% of the meta, but they make up like nine percent of the winning lists uh they're way down they're only four percent at the mid table level so if if you're uh x and minus two x and minus three and haven't don't know what crossfire is you should be okay yeah honestly so gene stiller cult is it's one of those armies i actually really like i'm a big fan of them they're also most to do with so i think a lot of people had that with them because of how complicated they are tend to just shelf them it's also an expensive army to collect i think that's the other there's a there's a bit of a hobby lag there there is there is that too although some tend to focus on some of the more expensive models that still do and i still see at least as the fair bike units so yeah i get the impression that it's it's the bikes that do the heavy lifting with their mining lasers but um, I think the biggest thing I'm hearing from listening to some of those other you know, top players and how they win is that they just got so much stuff that while you're trying to kill the stuff that's killing you, they've got like three or four units that are doing actions, collecting secondary points, and you're just like, just can't get and they're also They are also probably the cheapest army, depending on the army. Yeah. And if you want to be the ultimate hipster, uh, you want to be a Crimson Fist player. Um, only <laughs> two players... In the mid-table obscurity, identify themselves as Crimson Fists. Uh, Death Watch is right ahead of that with three. And um, Death Watch is another one of those armies like we talked about before. I, it was, if that was the only, if I was ever going to play a Space Marine army, it would be Death Watch. That way, I have an army that systematically eliminates all the other Xenos players, so I'll be the last Xenos player standing. I can't help but feel that the record for that it is, and probably, at least my reasoning is, well, Deathwatch doesn't do what Deathwatch did. <laughs> I mean, special ammunition is not available to any of the Primaris units. Um, a regular Space Marine unit uh, can now choose when they go in and out. Let's have more flexibility, I should say, in their doctrines. That was like the thing for Deathwatch. They're, they're popping in and out of their doctrines so it's almost like oh but you all lose armor content across the board so it's like 
the only thing I can think of, though, is the free war gear. I'm assuming that it got extended to Death Watch. I have to look at it again. Because, like, the... Their, what's their really awesome death frag? They have like a frag cannon. It was like it could be like a flamer. It could be a long range heavy bolter. It was it was a nasty gun. If that's free, that that's gonna be really cool. But but I don't know. I thought they would be better. I don't know why they're not doing so well. I have to kind of reread the rules and figure out what what went wrong. So anyway, so let's get into the ITC top ten. So as we end this week. Um, the aforementioned Manny Chimo, he came in second uh, over the weekend. Uh, he's currently in tenth place in overall in the ITC with three events. Stephen Crawley in ninth. Kevin Lai Lee, I, Kevin, I apologize if I mispronounced your last name. He's in eighth. Uh, Christopher Radford in seventh. Jason Kavetsky uh, in sixth. Jesse Melvin in fifth. Miguel Dura in fourth. Kyle Perry in second. Uh, second place, uh, Stephen Corrales. And your 2023 Scorched Earth champion, Jason McKenzie, is currently number one in the ITC with five events. So congratulations, Jason. So there you go. If you win the Scorched Earth, you win the ITC. More reason to come next year. Proof positive. <laughs> Ray, any other closing thoughts before we uh, wrap things up old school? Yeah, I looked it up. Death Watch pretty much has everything. All their upgrades for free with the exception of, like, Thunder Hammers and huh, Blades. Interesting. How much are the Thunder Hammers? Where's 10? Xenoblade is 5. Because I want to say Thunder Hammers are free for everybody else, right? We'll check. Don't get me wrong, those heavy Thunder Hammers are brutal. Death Company Marines, Thunder okay. Hammers, that's 10 consistent. points. Only time I see free Thunder Hammers is Black Templars. They're sort of okay. 5 basic Terminators. And Squad 7. So I think it, depends. it looks like it depends on what the unit is. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, Death Watch was always one of those. Oh, they were so cool. And now when the Codex came out, I was like, what happened? <laughs> you took away the thing I wanted most. <laughs> but it's not about me. Never is. Oh, well. Anyway, well, thank you for looking that up. And if you guys have any other news, also, if you want to follow uh, Robert's exploits at the event, he actually kept uh, round by round postings of each of his games. It's available on our Facebook page. So take a look at that. A uh, lot more updates on there as well. In the meantime, my name's Eric, and this has been the Exterminus Podcast. Thank you for listening.